Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Stock Market Show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give you the answers about all things investing and trading. Now we hope you've taken advantage of the easing of restrictions to return to some sort of new normal and to spend some time doing the things that you enjoyed before COVID. Now speaking of COVID, I had a personal experience that I want to share with you. Now shopping has never been a favourite pastime for me, but I will partake for the good of this country and of course when I run out of toilet paper. I happened to be out shopping this week and while I was staring up at some products on a shelf, a man came up to me and said, did you hear about new government restrictions to take effect? tonight? I said no. He replied, these ones will be much more severe. Now he looked me with a very, at me with a very serious expression and said, from 10pm to 8am tomorrow, you're not allowed to touch any man. I burst out laughing but later thought it was a bit creepy. He told me it was a joke after I'd laughed and he walked away giggling to himself and I wondered whether he stood in front of the mirror that day rehearsing. Anyway, I'm sure you all agree that a bit of humour in these times is a good thing. Are you ready for what I know will be another great stock market show tonight? You will recall last week I mentioned we've been chatting to a New York-based attorney who's a financial market expert and I promised to share with you his thoughts and also let you hear his view on the situation in the US with COVID and the unrest. Tonight, as always, we'll shed some light on the current market as we aim to inform and educate you on the realities of investing and trading. Our topic for tonight is the truth about what's really happening in the United States. We'll look at what is currently happening on the Australian stock market, give you our thoughts, answer your most burning questions, look at the stocks that you're interested in, give you our expert opinion and a whole lot more. Remember that we, the Wealth Within team, are Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hello, I'm Janine Cox and you guessed right, Dale's still on the road this week and I'm sure you'd agree he deserves a holiday at least once a year. And tonight, once again, I've got control of the script, so look out. Hi everyone, I hope you're having a good week. If you have a burning question for us, remember open up your email now, get typing and better yet, grab your phone and record a 30 second video and email it to info at wealthwithin.com.au and as always, keep your comments constructive so that we can assist as many people as possible with genuine questions. If tonight is your first time watching, then may I say a big hi and welcome. It's exciting to see you out there and have you joining us tonight, and we hope you enjoy the show. Moving on, it is the third Tuesday in the month, and this means we look at world markets. So let's get into the charts and discuss our thoughts on what's going on in the world markets right now. Now, as you can see on the screen there, I have the 
um, leaderboard and the NASDAQ Composite Index over in the US is up 1.4% for the week. Looking further down, the S&P 500 up 0.83, Dow Jones Industrial Average 0.62. Looks like you can't hold a good country down. And further down, we can see that the DAX is down 0.3, the CAC 0.5. The FTSE is actually in the middle of the board at 0.66. And as we go down, we see the Asian markets and Australia is mixed in there at minus 2. Now we've got the S&P ASX 200 also minus 2 and the Nikkei is at the bottom of the board minus 3.5%. Now on the right of the screen there, you can see that there are some sectors areas of the, of the world indices that are moving into improving. So on the left hand box there in blue, you can see the, the Hang Seng is moving up into the improving space. The Shanghai Comp um, is also moving into that area and the New Zealand Exchange is heading in that direction. So a positive thing for these um, exchanges, at least in the short term. Now, you also will get a chance to look at the Dow Jones. I'm going to bring up that chart right now for you. So you can see the Dow there. I've got the monthly chart up, of course, because um, as most of you know, we always look at the longer term direction first before making any assessment on what's happening on any stock market. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what time frame you're trading. You should be doing the same thing. So looking at the Dow, we can see there that it has reached a really important level of resistance. So I'll just pick up my crosshair there. You can see across the page at around 27,000 points is really strong for the, for the Dow at the moment. And it did break through that we saw last week. It cracked through that level, then traded back below. So right now, um, as at the close of uh, last night, the Dow was actually 25,763. So it has come off a bit since the high that it achieved so far this month. And that's got to be expected because, you know, what goes up must come down at some point. Now, you can see there on the chart that I just showed you before that the Dow has actually made an all-time high. And we look back on the chart for a moment and we can see there up at around 29,500 points. So it is away from that high at the moment. So we don't know what's coming up in reporting season. We're going to get on to that later tonight. So we'll, we may see some impact there to the Dow overall. But moving on to the S&P 500, so we're looking at the, the broader market in the US. So the Dow is the, the selection of the top 30 stocks on the market, the biggest companies on the Dow. We're looking at the S&P 500 and we can see there is a bit more volatility, but it's more or less the same shape as what we're seeing on the, the um, Dow Jones. So looking at that, I don't expect too many surprises at this stage, but we did see if we look at if we go to the weekly chart, we can see there that it has actually turned up uh, last night. So that's actually a positive thing for the US market. Um, we can see it coming up again. So it is trying to come back after last week's sell-off, but still, look, it may continue higher. We may see the market push back up into this space. We can see a gap up there near the all-time high. So it may try to challenge it. It'll be interesting to see if it does in the short term or whether it comes back. We're half expecting the market to push back up. But as you know, from what we've talked about in the past, it's more about what happens towards the end of the week. So I don't get excited about the market until I see what's happening on at least Wednesday and particularly Thursday, what it, what it does on Wednesday's close and, and then leading into Thursday. So we could see something interesting come out there. Um, I've also got for you the Shanghai Composite Index. So you can see on the chart there on the left-hand side is the monthly chart of this index. So this is the Asian market again, much more volatile, of course, than our, our market. You can see the bit of history there, what happened during the GFC. And we've seen, look, just to give you an example of how volatile this market is and why people who are new to the market often get enticed to go into overseas markets because 
they're told this common mantra that you have to invest overseas, which is totally untrue. And looking at that, you can see that there's a 73% decline during the GFC. More recently, we've seen big declines across um, the, the Shanghai Composite Index into this low that was in, um, I'll just get rid of that anchor there, but you can see this low here in 2018. So it just kept falling all the way from the high in June 2015. So quite a volatile market. So anything can really happen. But this market needs to get back above 451 points to really get going again. If it fails this attempt and it starts to head back down and we see that this market move below about 380, even going back below 390, we could see it continue to make new lows. So that's an interesting thing. And, and also to note that there's a gap on the weekly chart, which will come back and fill. So we may see this indication of this come sooner rather than later. Now, looking at the FTSE there on the screen, so the UK market is just a lot choppier than what you might expect. And, and it has been in turmoil because of Brexit over the past few years. But we can see that it's failed to get through this level at 6,800 points for a long time, and it may hit its head again. So we may see it rise up and try to push through this level in the short term, but um, its challenge will really be to get above that. So that's what's really stacked against it at the moment. So Moving on again to the Hang Seng Index, so more about the Asian markets. This is a market that we've sort of tended to follow. If you look at the overall pattern of this market, it's not as volatile. I mean, our market's not as volatile as this market. But if you look from November 2008, it, it looks like it's you know tracking with our market, although it moves in much greater swings than our market. So that can be good for traders who are looking, experienced traders who are looking to trade um, some volatility there. But looking in the short term, we can see that it's really got to get above this level at 24,830 points. Once it's through that, it should, in principle, based on technical analysis, rise through 26,000 up around to the 27,400 point mark. That'd be the short term target for this index if it starts to push back up. But any sign of a move down below this low here in May 2020, and then it's a warning bells for um, the Hang Seng. So we've got another one there, just one more for tonight. And I've got the DAX there. Again, we're, we're looking similar to what's happened on other mar global markets where these volatilities occurred across from 2015 all the way through, failing to get through these highs. So the risk right now for the DAX is we could see it head lower and much lower. So if it actually fails to go to a new all-time high in the next four or five months, this market could end up really low. We could end up seeing it, you know, down towards the 6,000 mark again. So that's the real risk here. So we need to see support happening for um, the, the price action across 11,261. If it finds support there and bounces and moves back up through 13,000, then there's a real chance it could make new highs. But like I said, there's risks to the downside and you've always got to be considering both. Okay, so that's what um, the wrap is tonight on uh, the world indices. And it's time to get into our vid videos and emails, actually, I should say emails, because I think a few of you out there are a bit too chicken to show your faces on the show, perhaps. And I'd encourage you to get out there and record a video tonight and send it in. It's always a challenge to see how many people we can get through on, on the show. So make it hard for us. We want to thank you for your questions. Remember, the more detail you provide, the more likely a question will be to responded to on the show. And if you can, please keep it to a couple of paragraphs um, and share why you want us to discuss your question, as this will increase your chances of having your questions selected. And of course, if you mention Dale's book, then you may actually get one in there as well. So if it's a video question, we do give that priority.
So if you have a question or you'd like us to look at a stock for you, simply send your email or your video question to info at wealthwithin.com.au and do so before 3pm on Tuesdays. If you can send it through tonight, you'll increase your chances of having a question answered on the show next week. Now our first question is from Nandu. Hi Dale and Janine, hope you are both doing great from the video this week. It looks like Dale has had a little break over the long weekend. Now that New South Wales is allowing leisure travel, I hold some Next DC shares, added a bit more in the recent um, share purchase plan. It was pretty resilient to the March lows and rightly so given its business is cloud storage. But like other shares that stood their ground during the lows, it's been moving in a zigzag since. Now, how do you see this share price playing out in the near term? Will it fail to um, its resistance level at around $8? But given its high quality, I'm not willing to let go of it without a reason for real worry. It's traded sideways for a long time, previously below $7, and that's not a place that I want to be in. Thanks, Nandu. Great question, Nandu. And you actually um, sent in a little chart um, with your question, which was fantastic. I have to say that you've got to polish up on your trend lines and might be a good idea and perhaps a good time for you to talk to one of our uh, education consultants about polishing up and how you can do that. Um, first of all, I'd like to um, talk to you about Next DC. It is interesting the fact that you've brought up a stock that is in that space, and so we could see quite a few um, interesting companies like that that actually managed to survive and do really well. So it's more the technology, obviously cloud storage. Um, it's traded to a new all-time high. It's looking quite strong. I would say though that if it actually traded below this low here, there is a risk to the downside. So the low is 876. So that was actually last week's low. If we saw the stock dip below there, there's always a possibility it could trade lower. I'm not suggesting that it definitely will, but that just is all about probability and that's what we work on. So looking at this stock, I'd say right now I like it. If I was holding it, then I'd be continuing to do so. And of course, I would have um, analyzed the stock to work out what set of rules works best on it over the history of it. So I know the strategy to exit and um, if you do one of our courses, particularly the diploma course or even the short course, you'll have a really good set of rules and a strategy to be able to, to exit that with a lot of confidence. So the one thing that I picked up in your email, though, was the fact that you mentioned that um, you're not willing to let it go. And I would say to you, just be mindful of that. I, I understand if the stock's rising. Yeah, I agree with you totally. It's important to continue to hold the stock if it's going up. But just be careful about your thinking because sometimes if you've got that in your back, the back of your mind, when it does actually present an opportunity to exit, there sometimes um, I find people thinking that, okay, I'm not willing to let it go. I want to see if it can get above, say, in the case of this stock, $10. And if it does get above $10, then I might um, look at letting it go, which is not a good strategy to trade shares. So I hope um, you can have a profitable time with Next DC and, and you make some good money out of that one. Uh, moving on to the next one, the second email question we've got is from Brandon. Hi Dale and Janine, I've purchased and read Dale's latest book, really enjoyed it. It manages to put a lot of information together in a clear and concise manner with real world examples. Now since then I've become fascinated with the stock market and I can understand where you're coming from and have endeavoured to learn as much as I can through available online resources. 
I have two questions. So maybe Dale can answer the first question and Janine can answer the second one. I thought, well, I leave the, that one for um, a couple of weeks until he comes back. And I decided I'll handle both of those for you. I'm interested to know your opinion on CSL. I bought in after COVID dip at 290 per share. After further research on chart patterns, it seems like CSL chart may form a double top trend reversal pattern, indicating a new downtrend. I intended to keep CSL for the long term, so I did not sell when the stock had been falling as there had not really been any negative news for the company. And plus, I had only just bought it. Um, okay, do you think the CSL share price is overvalued right now? And how much of a factor is the current share price when you select your stocks? Um, a lot of questions here. I've set my stop loss at a level just below the support level seen in mid-March, but I'm reconsidering this strategy. I know Dale has a strong opinion on dollar cost averaging. So this question is for Janine. Um, so that's another question. So before I get into the second part of your question, I'm just going to talk about the first one. So we're not too concerned about what the price is um, when we're looking at a stock. So I've got CSL there up on the chart for you. Now, I'm not sure about this pattern you were talking about before because I can't see um, this trend reversal pattern you were discussing. Um, look, there are lots of reversals in price or what's called reversal signals and they're bar signals. I, and, and there are also other pattern reversals that you can have on your chart. But I, I think that showed up that you may be looking at things that um, perhaps are general in the mainstream on the internet because I can't see anything there that you're mentioning on CSL. I can see the angle of the trend coming up and I think it's good that you're talking about the potential for the trend to be reversing because that could be the case but it hasn't actually indicated that yet. So I can fully understand how and why you're holding on to this one for the medium to long term because it has been a great stock medium to long term. Um, I would just suggest that you have some really good rules, solid rules on the stock. Now, you, you actually mentioned that, um, or you bought at 292, so the stock's trading at around that level at the moment, um, and there is risk to the downsides from the high. But hopefully, if it gets back above 310, it's got promise to break through that all-time high. If it trades much lower, then you really got to look seriously at how you, what your exit strategy is. Um, so this question that you've asked me was about dollar cost averaging. Now, you mentioned that you, were, you didn't want to ask Dale about this one, and you thought you'd ask me, on this one, it's like the, the naughty child asking the par one parent and then um, going to the second parent because the first parent didn't give you the answer that you wanted. So I'm not really here to, to um, give you the preferred answer. And I guess you're just testing me to see if I'll give you the same answer as Dale. And one thing that you'll learn about us is that I'm not expected to toe the line. If I have a different opinion, then I'm allowed to speak it. And I'd say that with CSL, um, you know, your thoughts on dollar cost averaging are, are really probably misplaced because it's an old theory and strategy that the industry have used and it actually helps keep up the churn so it helps if you if you keep buying shares over time you're actually one you're spending more money on brokerage over time two you're actually giving an accountant a bigger job to do because he's got to track every single share parcel that you purchase and work out whether there have been any corporate actions to work out the cost base for those parcels when you sell them. So this can be a real challenge. And I had that experience with someone recently who was getting the um, share purchase plans or dividend reinvestment plans and just lots of little dribs and drabs of share parcels, which 
um, I'm not a big fan of. So with dollar cost averaging, what he's talking about is buying the stock when it trades lower. So listening to the show, you'll know that once a stock's pulling back, it's not necessarily a good time to buy it. it depends on how the chart's unfolding so there has to be some rules behind why if you choose to add additional positions to your holding why you do that and do you really want to be doing that when other people are selling it you want the direction of the stock to actually be going in your favor and proving that it's actually got the potential to go up rather than the risk on the downside where it could fall away because once they start selling if they keep selling it you could be wrong and the stock could be part of a much bigger decline. So the theory is, it's like a hit and miss theory to me, um, rather than a bit more precise, if that makes sense. So Brandon, I hope that's answered your question on dollar cost averaging tonight. And um, look, I'd have to say that you picked a good stock in, in CSL. Um, we've got another question coming up. And this question we've got is from, I'll just come to the question. I'll thank you, Mr. Director. I thought someone might have fallen asleep back there. Before we get into the topic tonight, I have a question from Shane. Um, Hi, Dale and Janine. Can you comment on CSL in your YouTube video channel? The prices cross below the 200-day moving average. Many thanks in advance, Shane. Now, I've got a... Um, this is an additional point, really, to what we've just talked about, but it's different because we're talking now about some indicators. So before it was very much... a a theoretical question, some pattern analysis in there. We're bringing in a theory that a lot of people use in the marketplace, but over time we've actually found that it doesn't work and it can lead to a lot of short-term trades being whipped in and out of the market. So what you're talking about is an indicator. So an indicator is lagging, right? And we're talking about using leading um, techniques when we're looking at stocks in the market to determine whether to buy and sell. Moving averages typically, when I first started looking at the market, that's where I started as well. So when the stock traded above the moving average, the idea was that you could have an opportunity to buy it. If it traded below the moving average, then this is a simple way of putting it, then there would be an exit opportunity. Now, it's nothing like a trend line. So I think it's a lazy people's trend line, really. Um, if you learn how to apply trend lines, you'll actually be much better off over the long run so grab Dale's book and have a look at that even do a comparison of what happens I mean a long time ago Dale did a big study on moving averages versus trend lines to prove that trend lines actually trumped the moving averages so you're welcome to do the same test yourself always prove it to yourself now our next question is actually from um, Baskar I hope I've pronounced that correctly hi Dale and Janine I just love all your videos on YouTube having been in the market uh, since few years have got basic knowledge on some technical indicators and following them during entry and exit. I'm looking forward to get online training for NeoWave. I have heard it's a bit hard to get through it. Much appreciated if you share your thoughts, how reliable it is. Now, um, NeoWave, it's a form of um, wave theory. Now, any wave theory done on a daily chart, which is what a lot of wave theories historically have been put together based on, is going to do your head in. And it's not really necessary. You don't need to go down to that sort of micro level. And it can end up making people trade in and out of the market so much more. And you will find that if over time you step back and you use some of these theories in a bigger picture sense, you can make much more money and understand where a stock or market's going because it's like having blinkers on. So 
I'm, I'm not um, suggesting that you don't investigate things because along the way I did when I was looking at the market, but I tended to stay fairly narrow focused so that I would concentrate and become really good at a few things rather than trying to look at this, that and the other. So that's where our courses really nailed it because we've got a, a diploma of share trading investment and then from there we have an advanced course um, in, in the markets as well in, in trading strategies and that advanced course has got um, well, there are pattern, there's pattern analysis and phases of the market in the first course, but there's also wave theory, in, but not this particular wave theory. But what we did is we pulled apart all the wave theory um, that you could possibly find out there to read about. And I, I can remember reading a book that was about this thick and thinking, oh my goodness, this, this is like doing a PhD on something and then does it really amount to much in the end? Um, it's not something that people can use. So we turned it into something that people could actually use and really take advantage of to make money in the market. So that's all in our advanced course if you're interested in really doing a proper study and having structured learning around it so that when you come out the other side that you actually prove to yourself and to us that you can do it and you know it. So now it's time that we get into the topic. It's the truth about what's really happening in the United States. I recently spoke with US market expert Manny Alessandro to find out more because of the potential impact of any fallout in the US would have on the Australian stock market in the coming months. Now the US has continued to grapple with COVID-19, civil unrest and an economy in turmoil, yet the US stock market has continued to rise. Although we expect that investors heavily betting on the US equities will receive a reality check very soon as companies stagger into the next corporate reporting season. So that's the big challenge right now. Given that the Australian stock market has been mirroring the movements of the US stock market in recent times, it's highly likely that the outcome of the US reporting season will impact our market in the second half of the year. To learn what's really happening in the US and to get a reality check of just how dire things are abroad, listen to Melly Alicandro sh um, share what's really going on in New York and Wall Street and he'll shed some light also on whether this is going to be one of the worst reporting seasons in US history. Now, Manny Alicandro specialises in compliance, regulation and governance. Manny's also an expert in the blockchain space, focusing on trading of digital assets and cryptocurrency. He brings his comprehensive knowledge of capital markets that he has gained through diverse leadership roles in alternative asset management, banking, consulting, trading technology, as well as through senior roles at NASDAQ and FINRA. And I could go on. I promised to share Manny's view this week and here it is. Hello everyone, uh, today I've got Manny Alessandro with me and he's a New York based attorney so we're lucky to have him here on the show and I just wanted to let you know that his expertise is in regulation technology with the ability to advise on founding and structuring of new entities in fintech startups, to hedge funds, to electronic markets. Um, he's a frequent industry speaker, panelist, webcaster and a published author. So Manny, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, that's a pleasure. And um, you've been tucked away still there with coronavirus going on in the background. Yes, yes. Things are, things have changed. We've had, I'm, I'm sure, as you've seen, um, there's a lot of uh, protesting going on and there's a lot of civil unrest, unfortunately, um, in the United States and, and, and a lot of it in New York. So uh, a lot of people have come out of uh of quarantine and uh, as things started to reopen in certain states things were happening in new york state new york city mm -hmm. was lagging behind but 
everybody's raising a question now what's going on with the coronavirus considering that uh you know we were slowly opening but yet there's thousands of people possibly mm-hmm. 10 15 20,000 people very close together not exercising social distancing protesting so we really hope that there's not a second recurrence and, and unfortunately I, I think there might be mm. well look i mean people are preparing for that here as well of course it hasn't been as bad uh, a situation in australia and we're a bit of an island so we're fortunate in that regard the other side is i was mentioning before about um, before we came on air about situations at schools and how when a parent raised the the issue with uh, the department that they were told that until the children show signs or symptoms um, of the coronavirus, even if they've been around other kids that have had it, then um, there's no real action to be taken. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's, it's quite unfortunate. I mean, we, we are in a, a, a unique situation here where, um, as, as I mentioned, the, the universities are, have completed the semester. So uh, my daughter and my son go to Rutgers in New Jersey, uh, which is a state university in New Jersey. They completed the semester online. So they had online lectures and then they had whatever exams they had to complete and they did that virtually that semester ended in may and then um the schools in the u.s uh, for the um the younger the, the younger uh, children um in high school and in middle school um and 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 um in elementary schools those end in june so they've been going remote uh online since march and they'll continue as such and the question remains will schools open in September, when our uh, semester, the fall semester starts, it's still to be determined. The question is, what happens uh, if children are, are ill, if they have a temperature? Mm. How do you monitor? Do you require testing? I mean, all these questions still remain outstanding, absolutely. And and um, I don't really think we have any answers today, more than we did a couple of months ago. We know we, we flatten the curve in the U.S., which is which is great. We flatten the curve in New York, so things things are better. But I think a lot of it had to do with the quarantine and the stay-at-home orders. So we pretty much shut down our economy, and as a result, people did not did not come in contact with each other. And mm-hmm. as such, uh, I, I I think the the uh, the level of infection has decreased, and then obviously the level of deaths from it would would decrease. Mm-hmm which makes sense. But the question is when people now come in contact with each other and close contact, even potentially when social distance, uh, six feet, what happens? I mean, will we see a second wave? I I hope not, Mm. but we just don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Look, uh, when we had our last interview on flicks.net, you were talking about the situation there, but things have obviously developed since then. And um, given what's going on in the US currently with the virus and the unrest, would you desc- how would you describe your thoughts on that and, and the situation in the US now? It, it, it's it's a pretty tenuous situation right now. So there was a lot of looting that occurred. There was a lot of, unfortunately, uh, there was a lot of violence as well within the, over the last week and a half because of these protests. It seems to have slowed down in terms of the, the looting and the violence, fortunately. So there was a mm-hmm. feeling where people were coming out of quarantine, things were reopening, and then we experienced this massive looting in New York with millions of dollars, probably tens of millions of dollars of damage to a lot of stores, stores on Fifth Avenue, stores on Madison Avenue. It was just it was just horrific. So again, now people, I feel, will, will, will be reluctant to go back out from their homes 
past corona because they're worried about their safety. So hopefully the, 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 the protests could go on, obviously, if they're peaceful. But we need to make people feel comfortable that they're not jeopardizing their lives. I'm also concerned that mm. a, a, lot of, a lot of businesses, and I have a lot of clients and friends who had businesses who were shut down for two, two and a half months because of the, of the uh, coronavirus shutdown and quarantine, they haven't had access to their stores or their businesses, which have now been looted. So the only thing they had in their locations potentially was inventory. Um, and now um, the inventory is gone. So I have no idea in terms of if insurance will cover that, if, if they can't reopen because uh, they have no supplies or they have no inventory. I've also noticed in New York City, most places are boarded up with plywood. So you get this you get this weird kind of perspective, which is somewhat dissettling that they're fearful. They meaning the the small business owners and even large uh, large stores like Azara, which is not too far from where I live in a financial district, completely boarded up. It's a it's a very big Zara store. Mm -hmm. It faces two corners of of a, of a very big street on Broadway, not too far from New York Stock Exchange, and it's completely boarded up in plywood, very high, probably eight nine mm -hmm. feet. Right. I mean, it must be really um, disconcerting for anybody walking. It would almost feel like a bit of a ghost town. It absolutely does, and that, and that's my concern. It's it's almost like this. It's almost like the second wave, if you will, of Corona without without even knowing about Corona. It's it's the same impact as Corona, right? Where mm. people had coronavirus, there was this there was this fear and trepidation, and people stayed inside. Businesses shut down, and it seemed like we got through that, and now because of the protesting and a civil unrest, people are voluntarily quarantining themselves again. And then we don't know now about a potential second wave of Corona happening. So it's, it's quite dissettling. Nonetheless, our stock, stock market mm -hmm. has been rebounding very nicely, uh, very much in, in, in a fashion of a V-shaped recovery. Yeah, which is interesting, isn't it? I mean, the Dow cracked through 27,000 points. So who'd have thought in all of this going on that that would happen? But that's the market, isn't it? It's it, it's it's quite uh, interesting to me and, and somewhat concerned because it almost seems as if the market, the stock market and the indicia of the stock market are not representative really what's going on out there. So we had this program mm -hmm. under the CARES Act where we provided loans, uh, the Payroll Protection Program, PPP, where the government provided money to companies to continue to pay their employees during the government shut during the government mandated shutdowns within each state. It seemed like that worked to some extent where the unemployment number surprisingly was down. Now there's some question about that that number was somewhat inaccurate. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, unemployment could be 13%, could be 16%. The fear is that it would be 20%. But what I see from where I'm at and the people that I'm talking to and, and my, my clients and my colleagues, most people are still out of work. So if you're in a service type industry or hospitality industry, you're still out of work. And if you're, mm -hmm. if you're reopen, it's takeout. So if you go to a restaurant, no restaurants in New York city proper are open, it's just takeout. So you could get, you, you can order takeout and then maybe they have a table in front on the sidewalk um, or maybe they don't but you can't go inside to dine because you violate social distance. So we're, we're not there yet in, in New York City. We are in certain states. So again, the New York Stock Exchange, although it's based in New York, it's not only representative of what's happening in New York, it's representative in the United States. And, and, and there are states like Florida and Texas where the incident rates are very low 
and 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 people and people are back back to work for the most part. But I'm just concerned that the economy shot up so the, the stock market shot up so quickly that I'm worried that if we're looking at a V, we could very well be looking at a W in terms of if we go back up too quick and the market doesn't absorb everything that's going on in terms of. I think unemployment will exceed 20% this year. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of government interference with the CARES Act, the, the, the involvement of the Federal Reserve. So the economy is not uh, moving along freely. The economy is moving along with tremendous assistance from the federal government, both from the Federal Reserve side and Congress in terms of the CARES Act. So is this a real recovery? I don't know. As soon as the, the Fed takes its foot off the off the gas in terms of priming the, the 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 economy. What will happen? What happens in a couple of months when the CARES Act runs out? I mean, there's also really strong protections within the CARES Act to keep things going. So I'm worried that what we're seeing is somewhat artificial, which means, you know, we have that V right now, but could we go back down towards a W? I'm I'm worried about that. Yeah, really good point that you've raised there. So as, as the U.S. heads towards corporate reporting season then, what's the general view in financial circles that you're associated with about financial markets in the coming quarter? I think it's going to be a tough quarter. I think particularly with a lot of financial services now, exchanges have done well. Brokerage firms have done well because trading has continued. Thankfully, there's been no disruption in, in, in trading. So even in the New York Stock Exchange, which reopened now partially, their floor just reopened about two weeks ago, which was great. We had the governor of New York. He rang the, the opening bell. It was exciting to, to get the economy moving again. They've been trading electronically, the New York Stock Exchange, as NASDAQ has. I think the concern is going to be um, absent certain companies, a lot of discretionary spending obviously is down. So Amazon doing really well, um, you know, company stores that remained open, Target and Walmart, those big stores, they were considered essential businesses throughout each of the states, so they remained open. Other companies had to shut down because they were deemed non-essential. Plus, also, I think we're going to see big issues with banks in terms mm-hmm. of loans because there have been um, the, the, a lot of the states like New York in particular, they have a forgiveness um, or really a moratorium, I should say, on evictions for for three, 90 days to 120 days. So if you don't pay your rent um, at, in New York City to your landlord, you can't get evicted. So a landlord, it would if you didn't pay your rent, right, would move forward with eviction proceeding. Now, because those eviction proceedings have been stayed, you know, two, three, four months, um, people have not paid their rent. The flip side of that is landlords have not gotten paid. So it's, it's mm-hmm. great for for the tenant whether it's an individual tenant in terms of where they live, their residential, or someone who has a business. The flip side of that is the landlords have not been getting rent, which means that's going to be reflected in their mortgage payments. So I think you, you'll potentially see a lot of defaults in mortgage payments. So I think the, I, I, I think the, uh, the third quarter will be, will be difficult. Yeah, um, I agree. And then the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, I think, will, will be very difficult. And I think everything that we're talking about will be reflected because I think right now the numbers that we're looking at, because we had the shutdown in in March and into April, we're not seeing the true impacts of, of the government-mandated sh- uh, shutdown because of coronavirus. Mm. Look, Manny, uh, thanks very much. I really appreciate your input and, and the discussion that you've brought to the table. And I agree with you. I think that we're more likely to see a W-shaped recovery, but at the moment the market's factoring in for a V-shaped recovery. So it'll be interesting to see whether stock prices can maintain the current accelerated rise that we're seeing. 
I'm looking forward to chatting with you again next time. I've got a lot of other questions for you, but obviously we don't have time for any more today. So thank you very much and you take care of yourself. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks very much, Manny. Bye. These and feels about what's happening in the US and the current situation um, on the market and what's unfolding in reporting season. He's pretty much aligned with our thinking on the market and if the results overall come out worse than analysis or the analysts expect, this will play into the hands of the short-term sellers that will be pushing the market lower if they get the chance. Now markets have been running on irrational exuberance where prices are driven beyond what's realistic and this is where the uneducated are sucked into the market and end up taking huge risks, much more than they need to, all due to FOMO, fear of missing out. Now it's a greed factor of course. Some people have made comments that we've been too negative about the market, but the more you learn about what we do, the more you'll understand what the market does and the more you'll realize that our focus is always about managing risk. Now your first priority before you invest is to understand the risk that you are taking and know exactly how you're going to manage it. Otherwise, the market will eventually take your money. Now, last week, the US market um, dropped by around 6.5% in just one day. So be prepared for anything in the coming months. The market could fall, but it could also rise. So that's why you've got to have a plan for both directions. Now, the only way to do this is to have a proper knowledge of risk management and good money management in a portfolio as well. The idea is to be ahead of the curve. Don't do what the masses do. You may have heard us say before, find out what most people do and don't do it. Do the opposite. You'll make more money that way over time. Now, if you haven't already done so, grab yourself a copy of Dale's first book, How to Meet, Beat the Managed Funds by 20%. It is free on the homepage of the website, so look out for the orange box. You simply pay the postage, and if you decide to buy the second book, then of course you can have them ordered at the same time and delivered at the same time for your convenience. Now, it's a really good investment for you to learn as much as you can and understand how to manage your risk better. Further to my point about knowledge, Last week, I was chatting to a gentleman who relayed what had happened to a friend of his who was trading highly leveraged markets. Now, some of you out there might be thinking, are they talking about me? A few weeks ago, he was sitting on tens of thousands of dollars in profit made in a short space of time, only to see it drop around a tenth of this and still he didn't get out. Now, the issue with this is that the market is just telling him that he's doing the wrong thing. It's literally slapping him in the face with what he doesn't know about risk management and you know, having proper rules. And he's not alone. We're here to help stop people doing crazy high-risk things in the market. What he's ignoring cost him almost 10 times the price of the course. Now, Let's get into some more emails, but before we do, remember to hit that subscribe button now. Whilst you're there, give us a big thumbs up and click on the like button. For those of you who've been watching the show for a while, looking for that moment to do this, you know that Dale and I often have a bit of a banter on the show, and many of you tell us that you enjoy watching it. Well, let's give him something to talk about and help me boost the numbers on the show tonight when he's not here. We've got a great question from Andrew. Thanks very much, uh, Andrew, for putting this one up. Hi, Dale and Janine. I love the show. I ordered both your books and have already read the first in the complimentary PDF email um, or mail is slow here in Alice Springs. So he's obviously downloaded the PDF on the website. 
I have 15 years to retire at 60 and I started my self-managed super fund this February with 10 ETFs. Well, that's a big number. After reading your first book, I sold one and that was going sideways, 15% of the portfolio in terms of value. And my plan is to sell the other nine ETFs over the next one to two years and gradually buy five to eight ASX 20 stocks with 100% frank dividends and dividend reinvestment plans with 10% stop losses. I've been drawing trend lines all over ASX 20 stocks to find a buy for the 15% of the portfolio that I sold and I can't find any buy signals at the moment. Talk about a little bit of knowledge being dangerous. True there. I clearly need to do the trading mentor course and the diploma. Um, good for you. I think um, you're a sucker for glutton for punishment, aren't you? Getting into the technical analysis is one journey you've got to be committed to. So I'm really admiring the fact that you've actually broken down your self-managed super portfolio and you're looking to move out the ETF so that you can have a more concentrated portfolio. But the challenge here is that you're talking about reading a reference in our book, five to eight shares. Now, typically five to eight shares refers to a more trading type portfolio. Generally, self-managed super funds tend to be more um, slower moving, medium to long term in nature. We actually run self-managed super fund portfolios for clients. We've got lots of those. We also run for individuals, for companies, trusts. Um, there are joint accounts that can be set up. But for self-managed super funds and, and other individuals that are investing with us, it's 10 stocks. So it's about checking to see what your risk level is. That's one of the most important things when you're looking at your uh, portfolio and understanding the risk that you're taking when you're setting up your money management and looking at the structuring of your portfolio. So if you've got five to eight stocks and you're setting a stop loss of 15%, um, clearly the, the closer you get to five stocks, your risk is, is going to be higher. So if you go up between eight and 12 stocks, which is generally um, the better place to be, and it refers to this in the book, um, you know, and as I said, we have 10 for client portfolios, then your risk is much lower per individual share. So it's about you working that out, not just looking at it from a percentage point of view, but looking at it from a dollar perspective to see how that could affect you if you, um, it's all about what your risk is. So looking at if I had one or two or maybe three losses in a row, then what does that mean in terms of my risk overall in dollar terms? Um, of course, on the upside, if you had a number of profitable trades, having between five and eight shares, then it's going to be a bigger boost for those individual positions. Um, but that tends to be, traders tend to have less shares um, when they're turning them over more often. So that's just the general rule of thumb that we talk about. Now, you did refer to Rio Tinto, and I've got a chart there of Rio Tinto on the screen there. You can see um, this is a stock that you're interested in. When I saw that your email about this share, I was quite excited to see it because it's a really nice big stock. But Rio, like a lot of shares, will fill gaps on a chart. You can see on the right-hand side of the chart, it's just risen recently to fill this gap here at around $102. Now, there is a gap on the downside here. So that's what's concerning me right now with Rio. You can see the gap that formed here in January 2019. The stock did come back as part of COVID to fill that gap. Now, we never know what's going to cause a stock or market to come back and fill these gaps, but generally stocks do. I wouldn't worry about what's happening on the daily chart too much in terms of gaps. It's much more shorter term thinking and stocks that trade on overseas markets can often gap and they don't always fill gaps. There, You'd have to check the history of the stock to see that for yourself. But um, at the moment, Rio's holding up. It's actually traded up um, 
today. So that's a positive thing to see Rio pushing up. If it challenges these two highs here at around a um, $107, $108, then we could see it push to a new um, a new normal, maybe, through $110. So I actually really like Rio. For um, a, a self-managed super fund, it's ideal. It pays a reasonable dividend and is a good growth type stock. So it depends really on the strategy that you've set for your super fund. So we better move on now. Um, the next question that we have, um, I've got here on the screen, is about um, it's a smaller stock and it's called Little Green Farmer. And it sounds quite cute, doesn't it, uh, for a stock? Um, sounds like an actual farmer, but I'm talking about P-H-A-R-M-A. Now, this is from David and he asks for our view on Little Green Farmer. Now, clearly I don't have much data here on the chart. So I, when I'm looking at a stock, I need around three years of data. So this is a stock for one, liquidity is probably quite low. If I'm looking at the history of the share, I can see um, we've got around a million shares. So it's not too bad from the point of view of the number of shares traded a week, but the, the price of the, the, the stock is around 40 cents. And that's where the issue is because the value traded per week is quite low. So this means it's not highly liquid and that, and that translates to higher volatility and potentially it could mean that the stock um, you know, could move much quicker on you than you might expect. Now, that can be positive if it goes up, but it's always about what's going to happen on the downside. And if it does fall away, you're not necessarily going to be able to get out of it at the price that you want because the liquidity on these types of stocks, when when there's a lot of selling on the market, it can just dry up completely. Nobody wants to buy the share. What are you going to do? Um, so this is where the real um, challenge lies. But looking at it right now, if it trades above 40 um, three cents then it's more likely to keep moving up and challenge this high at around 49 cents if it trades back below 30 um, say around 35 cents we could see it trade lower so this is a real risk for the share at the moment but so far it's holding up nicely if it closes up towards the end of the week that'd be a positive so that's my take on little green farmer now the next question is about Worley um, the next email it's from um, an interesting person. I bought a stock at $8.90. It's actually from Falzia. Now, I hope I'm um, pronouncing your name correctly there. Please excuse me if I am incorrect. Now, Worley Parsons is actually a really great share. Good that you picked this one. Now, it is actually in the services related side of the mining sector. So it does get beaten down at times simply because if the mining sector is not performing and they're not spending money these guys are not getting contracts and therefore um, you know the, the share price won't be rising but in terms of the overall pattern on this share I really like it it's possible there's two things that could happen here with Worley in the short term we could see it actually start to head back up and it could trade back above $11 in the short term and that's what I'm suggesting um, is more likely but before it does that it may need to retest prices at around $7.50 so at the moment, it's holding up really nicely. For the past four week, four or five weeks, it's more or less traded at around $9, $9.50. And that seems to be a really comfortable space for it. But looking at the monthly chart on the left, it just looks like if it manages to get back above $12, it, just, it could go anywhere. Its next level where it might hit its head is around $16. But um, it's a stock that I like. It's a good trading stock if you can get in on it. It can make you some really good money. But the challenge with this one is to make sure that if it turns around and goes the other way, that you actually act and, and get out of it um, when it triggers um, levels or goes through a particular floor. 
So that's Wally Parsons. Good stock to have on the watch list. Next email we have is from Nick. Hi, Dale and Janine. Well done on your solo performance. Oh, thank you. On both the podcast and Tuesday night show last week. My question this week is on X, the XJO market trend over the last few months. What's your opinion? Do you think it's following the same type of trend that occurred in the 1930s and 2008-2009 suckers rally? Well, look, I'm actually not going to bring up um, a chart in this case for this particular question simply because the XJO is actually the top 200 shares on the market. Now, this obviously is giving you a really good indication of what's happening overall. And you're right in looking back over history to get an indication of what's likely to happen in future. We saw big rallies in um, the in all markets, US market and the Australian market in the 20s and in, in the lead up to the correction that happened after that in 29, the market um, peaked and came back. And then we saw in 2008, 2009, another correction. You're right about that. But there was a huge correction in the 70s, which you may not have um, realized because it's not talked about a lot, but that was also another big one. So generally what happens when markets are actually going to correct is you can often get really strong rises into these moves. The, the whole angle of the chart accelerates. And I've talked about this on the show before when we've looked at the All Ordinaries Index at the start of each month. So look, I'd say to you that you, you've got a really good understanding um, at this point for things like where the trend is accelerating. But I suggest that you read up a bit more on trends and get a greater understanding of, of how trends unfold and, and how um, markets turn and the sorts of signals and, and indications that occur at tops. Because we have seen some interesting moves over recent times and now we're waiting to see confirmation of this. So it's going to be a good learning time for everyone, I think. Now, we have another question from Chris. Um, on your trading mentor, that's what he's studying at the moment. So he's doing one of our courses, which is a basic entry level course uh, to start. You can see, decide whether you actually really are serious about wanting to trade the market and to learn. It's more for people who are, uh, haven't decided whether they really want to do this to generate an income. Um, if someone said to me, look, I really want to uh, run my own self-managed super fund, I want to generate an income, or I want to build a portfolio that I've got and I'm really serious about doing it and I've got goals for the next few years, five years, then I would say you would need something more than Trading Mentor. But it's a really good place to start and it gives you a, a really good foundation, a good set of rules. The rule that's in that course is what I use and I test on every single stock that I trade. So if we're picking a stock for client portfolios, we test it with this particular rule. You'll learn about that. You'll learn about um, different things that we talk about on the show tonight and you'll get to see Dale talk about stocks every fortnight and he'll give you a demonstration, much more detail than what we can show you on, on this show of an evening. Um, so what Chris said, he's been watching the show for a couple of months now, thank you, and really enjoying the content and I've also bought and read both books. Enjoyed them so much that I've now started the Trading Mentor course and loving it. That's fantastic to hear. My question to you is, what are your thoughts on the stock computer share? It seems to be moving nicely out of the March low since COVID and to me seems since 2003 when it was $1.60 has risen pretty constantly when it hit its high of around 1995 late in 2019. Its dividend yield is 3 0.37% and its five-year growth EPS is 10.77. Acquired these from Yahoo. Um, hope they're correct. Thank you and loving this new found world of trading, says Chris. So thanks very much, Chris, for your, 
your email there on ComputerShare. Now up on the screen there you can see I've got ComputerShare there. I'll bring up the monthly chart so we can have a really good look at what's going on there. You can see that the um, big decline that's occurred, and I'll just bring up the whole history. See how rhythmic this stock is? Over time it experiences periods of decline. So this is why most stocks, even ComputerShare, which you would think would be um, immune from a lot of these sorts of pullbacks, isn't. So it's a it's a, sh a share registry, and of course they get involved in lots of um, things that are happening with companies, and, and when um, companies t um, carry out corporate actions, there's a, a part that they play. But as a shareholder, you can actually ring up the registries and, and ask them questions. So looking at no November 2000, you see the massive decline in the share price all the way into 2003. And then again, another decline from 2007 through the GFC, which wasn't as significant as the prior one, but continually has these significant declines. It'll go up for maybe 6 to 12 months, maybe a little bit more, and then pulls back. So it is quite rhythmic. Now, when someone told me many moons ago that the stock market is not um, random, like everybody says, I didn't believe it at first and not, until I started looking at the charts and I was just blown away by how often um, this repetition occurs. So we've seen with COVID a big pullback in, in the stock from there. The risk right now is that there's a significant resistance level across here at around $13. So the stock clearly needs to push back through that level strongly to have an opportunity to move higher. But look, there's a possibility it could trade down and then sideways for a while. We could see it it move in the, in the sideways direction until it actually... Um, really gives us a bit of um, indication that it's going to push up higher but at the moment it's moved up filled this gap on the weekly chart and often when stocks fill these gaps they take a bit of a breather but computer share given that it's actually um, moved into America has a much greater exposure um, into different markets now and that's what drove the share price significantly through this period here up into 2018. Now we could see it move up okay to around um, there's another resistance level around 1542 so there's a possibility that it could push up to this zone here maybe even 16 or 17 dollars in the short to medium term I like the share um, what's important is getting in with the right set of rules so I'm not suggesting that the stocks are buy right now I just say look it's already run quite hard and it may have a little bit further to go so the people who are in it there would be no reason to sell it right now because it hasn't provided any exit I'd just say um, just continue to, to watch carefully and make sure you've got a set of rules and a, and a good stop loss um, on the downside. Even a trailing stop loss as it's going up, but with a stock like this, get to know how it moves on a weekly basis and the percentage rises and falls because you don't want to set your stops too tight. Now, it's um, now time for the end of the show. I did have another question, but I'm sorry about that, but the director's moved me on. Um, wants to finish on time so I hope you've enjoyed it and thank you for participating if you have a topic that you would like us to discuss send in your ideas and we'll look at your requests for our upcoming shows if you would like to see the show continue to grow then remember to share it on your social media with your friends and colleagues now also remember to make sure that you put this show into your calendar as we'll be back right here on YouTube live every Tuesday from 7 to 8 p.m. And as always, we're happy to receive your questions. So send them to info at wealthwithin.com.au and just type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. And again, I really hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. As always, thank you for joining us and we hope to see you again next week. For now, goodbye, good luck and good trading. Thanks for listening. 
This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.